Welcome to the Fire and Bones podcast, a weekly conversation between two friends and pastors applying the Word of God to everyday life. I'm Nathan Loudon, and I pastor at Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. I'm with my friend Michael Crosswhite, who pastors Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at FireBonesCast. Thanks for joining today's episode. First of all, we need to clear, clarify, I think, which forbearance we're talking about. Did you want to... Well, there is such a thing wanna... as a F-O-R-E bearer, uh-huh. which would be your ancestors. And yes. when you first sent me a text message that you said, hey, let's talk about forbearance, <laughs> you spelled it like ancestors. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, <laughs> we want to talk about ancestors? So I'm trying to go find pictures of my grandparents and you immediately subscribe to ancestry.com yeah. <laughs> try, try to figure this out and genealogical research uh and all the data <laughs> that i'm trying to bring in i haven't done the 23 and me thing so you know <laughs> i, I <laughs> do you do you and your family know like how far back your family tree goes do you know, well i mean you know how far i'm assuming it goes back to adam and eve <laughs> 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 you, I have how, a feeling yours many, does too. <laughs> do you, Ours just do started have, randomly one time. <laughs> we're gonna save the alien episode for another day. That's we're not going down that path we today. Were, we were made by Don't. aliens. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh, this is going really well. <laughs> I don't even feel like I should ask, but I'm going to anyway. Do you know any of your family history past, like your grandparents or great grandparents? Not really. I, I mean, no. I, I think I'm like 486 cousins with George Washington or something like that. <laughs> like I think everyone else in the world is. <laughs> I think I think everyone says the same thing. Yeah, every everyone. Uh, that's the thing that I found with like ancestry stuff is as soon as you talk to people about their genealogy, there's always some famous person in history that they are distant cousins with. And I'm like, you know, I think I saw this stat where it's like everyone is like within you know fifty cousins of everyone else in the world <laughs> so yeah. like, congratulations i'm that close to george washington too <laughs> well, but no we you are know. more you're more important now yeah <laughs> definitely yeah, yeah you're definitely more important yourself. i should put more weight in your words now because george washington yeah, is a distant distant cousin to you yeah who knew you were such a good leader this yeah. whole time? <laughs> wow um no we we plan to talk about forbearance without the e in, Enduring patience, bearing with one another. This does this sound exciting to talk about? It, it, you know, uh, it takes patience. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> it's, it's gonna it's gonna be one of these days. Huh? Gonna, okay, gonna... <laughs> gotta watch my words here. <laughs> I, I so to be honest, I I think when you talk about 
the fruit of the Spirit or anything that the Lord is producing in us or doing in us mm-hmm. as a body, on the surface, when you bring those things up, I think probably people get sort of, um, you know, let's talk about something more interesting or let's, you know, maybe complex theological things or, you know, current, you know, issues going on in society or, or things like that. But, you know, interest in the topic and importance in the topic are not always coincidal. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. <laughs> yes. In fact, I, I think often the things that are most important that we ought to be talking about most carefully, considering most carefully in our own souls, uh, are easily those things uh, which we refuse to talk about. Mm. Things that we don't that we don't want to talk about. It's kind of like when a, when a friend recommends a book and he's like, "Listen, friend, this is a." <laughs> I can sense the sarcasm coming right now. This is a. This book is going to be a read. quote from me. I have a feeling. <laughs> I don't. I don't have the quote, but it's like when you have a book and for a friend, he's like, "You should really read this. It applies to you," and he's not real excited about it. It's kind of like that, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just a random scenario just yeah i'm you, just coming you know you know you don't have a specific if, person in mind when you're saying that i don't you, i don't have a text chat that i'm looking at right now that i'm thinking about no <laughs> no oh. would you say forbearance is one of the more difficult parts of either pastoral ministry or being a, a Christian, maybe before we even ask to say that, should we just define, should we do our best to define forbearance? You brought up fruit of the Spirit, and are you saying fruit of, uh, that uh, forbearance is a fruit of the Spirit? I don't, that wasn't in the translation that I memorized the fruit of the Spirit in. Yeah, I don't I don't think, though, what Paul is doing in listing out the fruit of it, the Spirit is giving an exhaustive list of the fruit that the Spirit produces but mm-hmm. but rather he's giving the examples and the trajectory of the kind of fruit that the spirit produces and mm-hmm. love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness mm-hmm. self-control um forbearance is really throughout that and the idea i think that he's presenting is that as a body of people who are bought by the blood of christ who have the Spirit of God dwelling in them, this is the kind of fruit that he will produce in them individually and together as a body. So uh, so I do think that forbearance, patience, bearing with one another, which are other things that Paul mentions, uh, well, specifically bearing with one another, things that, mentions, that Paul mentions in um, you know, Colossians and several other places throughout his letters mm-hmm. of what he desires mm-hmm. for the church body itself, who does have the Spirit of God dwelling in them, to actually come together and bear with one another. But when you ask, like, mm-hmm. is it is this is this um, you know? I think you asked if it was difficult. I mean, parenting, you know, <laughs> forbearance with your kids. Uh, you know, everything from parenting to pastoring, there's no Christian that this is not vitally important to, and is not incredibly difficult to actually exercise for sure. Yeah. And maybe impossible if it's, if it's the fruit of the spirit, but on our own, it's, it's kind of undoable. Right. 
in, in a godly way. Right. Well, is forbearance the same thing as patience in your mind? Or is there a... I mean, I'm, I'm asking you because I consider you the foremost Greek scholar in my life. <laughs> you are in so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, just, I just assume you've got the Greek New Testament pretty much on memory. What you're recall, saying so. is that you only know English speakers. <laughs> Listen, I barely understand the English language personally. So the fact that you majored in Greek in minored, your THM mi- minored in in oh, oh, in minored. college and uh the THM it DTS is just heavily focused in Greek. That's that's the proper way to say that. <laughs> that's a very humble way of saying that you are exactly what I just said you were. <laughs> no, no, not, not at all. Right. <laughs> no, not at all. No, so no. is there is there a difference, though, if you can't recall the words, is there a difference in your minds between patience and forbearance in Scripture? I'm going to pull up a couple of passages, but just curious what your thought is first. Um, you know, not having the uh, a lexicon in front of me, I would say that a lot of forbearance is patience. But mm-hmm. is also the the notion of, uh, I mean, you'll, the word bear is in it, you know, and I think it mm-hmm. there there is a sense of bearing one another's burdens, perhaps not being such so much an exercise in patience, but being willing to come alongside someone and shoulder shoulder their burden, shoulder their load, mm-hmm. which obviously mm-hmm. demands quite a bit of patience. But, uh, but is is there? There's a a further nuance to it than simply just saying patience. I think. Yeah, it's it is interesting that the in the fruit of the spirit we have patience, which is not the same as the word for forbearance. Sure. But in Galatians, right after Paul walks through the fruit of the spirit—love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right after he talks about that, he talks about keeping in step with the Spirit, and then he goes on explicitly to talk about, I think, what is one extension of patience, or, or extensions of one of the fruits, which is, if anyone is caught in a transgression, Galatians 6, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, mm-hmm. and so fulfill the law of Christ. So he comes out of the fruit of the spirit to talk about bearing one another's burdens and in uh, colossians you you mentioned colossians 3 i think this is kind of the the prime one of the 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 prime passages on uh on forbearance and its centrality in the christian life paul is telling the church you know to put these things to death the these old wicked practices um, and to put on the, the new self. And he calls us, Colossians 3.12, put then on then as God's chosen ones, holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And then he adds, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. So there's, in Colossians and Galatians, he uses the word patience, but then he talks about bearing with one another as if it, it seems to show that 
forbearance and bearing with one another is not just patience. Patience seems to have more to do with time, mm-hmm. as in I'm, I'm waiting, I'm willing to wait for these things not to happen immediately. Bearing with one another seems to have to do with a connection to your personal burden, a relationship with someone, uh, bearing someone else's sin, bearing their sorrow, uh, bearing uh, in Colossians in particular, if someone has a complaint against another, which I'm just, man, praise God, that doesn't happen in the church. (laughs) People don't complain about each other. Never. I've never heard one. That's that's the joy of the church, no complaining. <laughs> and so so there is a there is a difference here that Paul doesn't just see kind of patience as a we'll just go sit over here and and wait until the storm passes. But bearing with one another is getting in there, actually dealing with each other's stuff, helping each other, uh, bearing with one another and in particular to your complaints about each other and against each other. Um, so it has kind of a, I'm picking up your load with you, whether it's your sin or your sorrow, and I'm doing that for a while. But that That's kind of how I'm understanding forbearance. It's picking up your load but adding the patience piece because I'm going to do this for the long haul with you. Forbearance is an, an ongoing lingering, lasting, putting up with, accepting. Uh, in fact, I think in the Holman Christian version, they put in accepting one another, which is not wrong, but um, we think of accepting as kind of, you're fine the way you are, everything is good, accept you like that. When I think it means accepting in the sense of accept things as they are, and don't make your love or relationship to each other conditional or uh, based on how things are going or how light or how heavy a burden is. So, so bearing that's kind of what I'm thinking. I don't know if that, if that is helpful, but I think it is good to see Paul, how he uses patience and forbearance and bearing with one another. Yeah, this is where actually I think the culture on the whole ex, uh, feels the need for forbearance understands the desire to have someone else forbear with them in their use mm-hmm. of the term tolerance and mm-hmm. it because it, it there's the same kind of connotation and idea in fact one of the lexes or one of the definitions for um, the word Paul uses a couple of times in Romans for forbearance is tolerance and mm-hmm. um, I, so I think that on the whole People feel the need for forbearance. People understand that there is a a desire, you know, for us to experience forbearance from... A a championing of it in some some sense. Yeah, but but it seems as though the... the, So does that mean the culture gets it? No, that's what I'm saying. I think that the, the cultural definition of tolerance and forbearance or let's just say a forbearance, the cultural definition of forbearance and the church's definition of forbearance are two different things, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, drastically so, different things. Because uh, di- Dissect that. What would, you, what would you say is the main difference? Well, one is that forbearance doesn't exclude calling out someone who is in sin. 
Mm-hmm. In fact, the idea of forbearance that as far as we understand it, and as far as I understand it in Scripture, comes directly from God himself. And and Paul mm-hmm. is the one that points this out in, in Romans 3. You know, he, he gets to 3.23, all, we, which we all know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, 24, and are justified by his grace as a gift through, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And then 25, whom God put forward as propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Uh, faith in Jesus. It wasn't, he didn't pass over former sins or tolerate them or forbear them um, to ignore them altogether, mm-hmm. but was in the process of bringing them to light so that he might actually destroy them. And that is the process of forbearance that we as Christians want to engage in. Not Which, I, which my, my understanding of Romans 5 is that Paul's saying God was forbearing of these sins before Christ in that, in that he did not finally and totally deal with them until Christ. Is that what he's saying? Um. Say that again. It, my recollection of Romans 5... Is that this Romans is Romans 3. 3 is that Paul is saying his forbearance was, I am enduring your sin until I deal with it fully and finally right. in Christ. Exactly. Right. So, so, the, so that so it the, it's it, he's a, in the hey, process of bringing them to light. Yeah. Right. Right, right, right. So the, and and that is the kind of forbearance that we are to have with brothers and sisters is the kind mm-hmm. of forbearance that God had with us which is we want to call sin sin we want to bring it to light but at the same time we also want to be patient with the sinner which is all of us mm-hmm. we want to be patient with those that are around us and know that over time, God is going to deal with these things, that over time, he is bringing them to light. And all the while, we want to not only help them be made aware of sin, but also to, to come alongside them and work through it to the other side. And this is the part, I think, that takes the most patience, the most forbearance on our part, is knowing that everyone is a work in progress. Mm-hmm. There's no one that's got it figured out. You know, I think that has to be the foundation of it all, right? Of right. of our coming together as the body of Christ is going. Yet nobody's got this this thing down. Right. Yeah, and I I think what you said is really helpful to me to remember that forbearance is not simply a command that the Lord gives us to kind of go fulfill and do about how to live together. In a, in a good society. And I think that's often where, you know, the culture is left, you know, with, with kind of a morally empty idea of forbearance when the, the deeper understanding and meaning is God himself is forbearing. God himself is patient. God himself is willing to endure our sin uh, to a degree um, and, and and not judge us and cast us out as we deserve now. 
uh, and, and the same for the entire earth, you know. Uh, we were on the way to camp the other day, and uh, oh, preteen camp, which, you know, I, I didn't intend to do this, but there are so many illustrations of forbearance <laughs> when it comes to preteen camp. But on the way, how many times uh, did you sing 99 bottles of Coke on the wall? <laughs> zero. I have zero forbearance for that. Um, but on the way, uh, one of my sons asked, Dad, if God could have, um, if he can do anything, why didn't he just deal with sin immediately, right at the beginning? And uh, we, had, we had a good conversation about uh, God's desires and his will and why he lets things happen. And But another answer for the, a kind of question like that might be that God displays forbearance in his creation. He's a forbearing God. And over and over and over in his relationship with Israel and his relation with Adam and Eve and all mankind, his recovenanting with Noah, I mean, God is forbearing through the whole Bible over and over and over uh, with his people. We were, and, we were reading, uh, the la- even just last night, we were talking about uh, Second Kings, first and second Kings with the judgment of Ahab and the judgment of Ahab's house and all mm-hmm. of that. And he pronounces judgment on Ahab for just the you know atrocious sin of taking um, a, a piece of property from his neighbor and mm-hmm. ki- basically killing, having him killed over it. And, um, and even in that even in that little narrative, there is a point where Ahab actually seems to begin to recognize, sin and the holiness of God and and take a pause and God pauses his judgment mm-hmm. you know, with uh, on Ahab who is mm-hmm. horrid you know <laughs> and I mean and, and and you know he 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 he's not going to he's not going to do away with the judgment altogether but he does say mm-hmm. well because he has turned I'm going to I'll wait until after he dies you know mm-hmm. I mean right. that's incredible you know, right. talk about forbearance. Yeah, absolutely, forbearance. Yeah, which I think is the main difference between the the culture and Christians is we see a we see a God who is forbearing and has created a world where He displays His forbearance of sin and of mankind time and time again through covenant, uh, through faithfulness, through mercy over sin and who then leads his people to be holy as he is holy to be a forbearing kind of people not quick to anger right yeah but there's um, but there's also there's also a a connection there i think where the the culture is only left with tolerance that's the only thing they can come to because right. there is no god on the other side that will actually transform me into a new person that will actually conform me into his image. There is no God there that will do that. So what we're left with is I am the way I was made and you have to accept me because there's no changing this. But that's not, that's fundamentally not what we believe in the church. I believe that you and me and anybody else that I encounter, we are all working towards and God is conforming us through his spirit into the image of Christ. And so that means that who I am today is not who I will be tomorrow or who I will be Mm -hmm. in five years or 10 years or 15 years or whatever, all the way up until the casket, that 
I am mm-hmm. continually actually a work in progress. It's not mere tolerance in the sense of, well, take me how I am because that's all I'm ever going to be. But accept me how I am now, understanding that your encouragement, your, um, your in, in some cases, your admonishment, your, mm-hmm. uh, your speaking yes, truth man. into my life, your mm-hmm. uh, reading the word with me, your discipling of me actually has a conforming effect. And it mm-hmm. actually does produce righteousness in me. And so we forbear with one another because be sim- precisely because we have that hope that tomorrow is going to be different than today and the next day is yeah. going to be different than that day and and on and on and there's going to be peaks and valleys along the way but over the course of time the spirit is going to be producing in us holiness and so we mm-hmm. can forbear in hope that one day we will be um you know in glory and and we will be you know, in a, a glorified self, as it were. Yeah, and it, it seems like the culture has taken tolerance and made it the sensual morality. Yeah. When what you just described is, which becomes a, a in an atheistic, it's a baseless morality, not to go down apologetics creation morality discussion, but it, it basically, it, it takes God out of the morality equation. And I think Christians ought to consider this, mm-hmm. that the um, the culture and societal idea of tolerance is not godly. Right. It's not like they have a better idea of God of godliness than we do because God's forbearance is you are supposed to be like this, like me. Right. You're supposed to be in my image. You're supposed to be holy and righteous as I created you so that my glory would fill the earth. You're supposed to be like that, and you are not. And God, in his mercy and in his nature, is forbearing of us not being what we are supposed to be. Right. And the entire plan of redemption is a forbearing plan to say, I'm going to do it slowly and in time and beautifully to display my power and my kindness and my grace through generation after generation and then ultimately and for eternity through Christ and then with Christians, forbearing Christians and having Christians forbear each other so that his right. forbearance comes to comes to bear on the earth. But the idea that we that it's judgy in in a negative sense, uh, to want someone to be different and that tolerance is a better way I just think it's godless. Right. And, it, and it's the exact opposite point of what makes God's forbearance so beautiful. Right. Is that you're supposed to be like this and and you're not. And forbearance is sticking with you. Right. Remaining in covenant with you. Caring for you and, and getting you to a glorified, sanctified end. It's, it's, it's so different. Yeah. Well, and uh, if you have no God on the front end, that gives you an image of perfection and holiness, then every characteristic of you by default is fine. It's perfectly okay. Who is to say Mm -hmm. this moral characteristic is better than that moral characteristic? So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, so, so who, who is to say one's better than the other? Because there's no God on the front end that actually gives you a picture of what perfection actually looks like. And then there's no God on the back end that is actually conforming you into that image of perfection. So there's no hope of change. So 
you know, even if you could identify a better character trait or value over something else, well, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter because there's there's nothing that says I have to be conformed into that, and there's nothing that says that that is inherently more valuable. So right. you're left with take me as I am and tolerate me, you know, right. and and the only thing that can't be tolerated is people that can't tolerate that. Right. And and so you have this just this idea of forbearance that's so watered down and so uh I mean for lack of a better way of saying it crappy. You know? That's <laughs> it doesn't just any, it doesn't have any teeth. It doesn't. It, it it's just it's, not, it's, it's not just really living. It's yeah. mush. It's basically just yeah. walking in a desert. You're just walking in a desert for the rest of your life. Congratulations. That's well, all just, you've got. It just becomes it just kind of becomes void of of meaning where tolerate why why are we you're making uh it becomes where toleration is moral good and on what basis is tolerance and moral good if you're a tolerant kind of person right um and when you when you take away tolerating other people uh on the way to some kind of righteousness or tolerating others because they're not right now righteous, um, but tolerating them as they are, as if nothing is wrong with any of us, um, then it, it just it undoes the idea of what God is. And I, I do think that it is tempting, and stru- and it's a struggle. I didn't expect for this conversation to go this way today. But for Christians to look at the culture and think why uh, the world and, you know, the my my uh my headquarters at the office you know we're we're told to be more tolerant and more forbearing to use the church word in 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 my workplace than at the church mm-hmm. as if we're tempted to think there's a better idea out there than the church and it's actually an empty void godless idea of tolerance that god has an idea of what we should be that we should be uh, we were created fashioned from the very beginning to to be like him and when when this comes I, I find this encouraging to talk about because I think we we often feel frustrated when it comes time to forbear other people and let's just stop here for a minute and just say that I think in in our most honest selves you and I would both say and anyone, should be able to say in honesty, um, A, God has been very kind to be forbearing with me, mm-hmm. one. And two, there are many people who I trust have probably been extremely forbearing of me. Mm-hmm. And that it's not about, well, you know, it's so easy to get in the mindset of, oh, God, help me be forbearing with all these idiots today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and God's going, uh, you're one. Yeah. You, you're, you're the one, right? Yeah. You're, you're it. Um, and he's pastors, forbearing with your idiocy uh, right at that moment. <laughs> yes. He's like, actually, I'm forbearing you saying stuff like that. Um, and it, it's very easy to get into the mindset because, and I think that's the trap of, of an amoral tolerance as well. It's, it's actually a, a, a thinly veiled self-righteousness. Mm-hmm that I am the tolerant one of everyone else mm-hmm. who is, is different and, 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 or, or, or 
wrong in some way. And it's easy in the Christian world, even even within the gospel context, even within the church context, to think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take up my cross and forbear all these immature Christians. Hmm. And the Lord is saying, actually, you're part of, you need this. You need this from the church yourself. Mm. Um, but I think it's encouraging that this is in God's nature. This is part of the gospel. This is not just a command uh, for us to do outside of who God is. Mm. It's it's what he's like toward us. We receive it from him. We have the example in him. And it's encouraging to know that the Lord doesn't ask the church to forbear one another indefinitely and amorally. Mm-hmm. That you're just supposed to put up with each other because it's going to be like this forever. So get used to it. That that kind of uh, you know buck you know pull your boots up and you know buckle your jeans tighter. I'm, I don't I don't know what I'm saying here, but get ready for the long haul and put up with each other. Yeah, and just accept each other the way you are. But there's actually forbearance scripturally has an a moral aim. It has a sanctifying aim and purpose. Um, I find that incur- it makes me want to be more forbearing of other people. Yes. When I realize God's doing something with them, God is doing something with all of us. He's transforming. He's sanctifying. He's using the trials in their lives to shape them into the likeness of Christ. He uses all things together for the good of those who love Him, conforming to the image of Christ. So I find that encouraging. Yeah. That. I can forbear because you're on the way to something. If you're a Christian, I can trust that assuredly. And and I'm not just kind of stuck here trying to ignore it. I don't know. What do you think? It's got to be one of the chief, I, I hesitate to say it would be like a chief virtue in the church of forbearance, but it, I mean, it's got to be the thing that precedes all the other fruit of the spirit that is produced. That a body of people mm-hmm. come together and decide we're going to forbear with one another. We're going to um, forgive. We're going to, if anybody has a problem with one another, forgive one another. We're going to, um, look, tolerate the things that other people do that we find annoying. Um, there, <laughs> it, it could be anything from bad breath to... Uh, you know, speech habits and the way they mm-hmm. talk and carry themselves and um, mm-hmm. the way they start conversations or how awkward it is or the way they always want to talk or whatever, or they never want to talk. Or We're going to deal mm-hmm. with all of those personality things too. We're going to uh, understand that every single person in this room is going to offend us at one time or another. They're going to step on our toes. They're going to say things that are very true sometimes and maybe step over the line there's so many things that are going to happen within this body of believers, and we are all together saying we're going to exercise an incredible amount of forbearance with one another precisely because God has done that to us. And we're going to demonstrate to the world what real, true, good, godly tolerance actually looks like. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't ignore the, the places where someone desperately needs help in overcoming sin. But this, I think, brings mm-hmm. up the question because so much of our, so many of our churches 
are caught in this in this middle ground where they hear the argument from the culture of tolerance and actually probably think you know that it that it makes a, a good deal of sense but then when they look at the church they hear what the culture the culture's commentary of the church that is a judgy place and and this kind of thing and they say well we don't want to be that way and so it's it's like they're trapped in this sort of uh, where there's only two there's only two possible definitions here mm-hmm. of the way you can live. One is you can be completely tolerant of everyone and live in that kind of flat plain desert where there's no mm-hmm. you know better better higher value out there, or mm-hmm. you can judge people and you can excommunicate them. So I think it brings mm-hmm. up this question in the church. How do we exercise things like church discipline, or how do we work towards uh, sanctification of the members mm-hmm. of our body, and yet also be forbearing? How do we keep mm-hmm. those two things in balance? Where Paul would say in First Corinthians five, it's precisely those inside the body of Christ that you are to judge, mm-hmm. uh, because they have made a comment about their faith in Christ. And you, as the body of Christ, are to make sure that's true or false, right? Or to, to you know, validate its, its truth or falsehood. So how, how do you balance in the church a church that is, is striving towards holiness, holding mm-hmm. uh, us all to mm-hmm. be accountable to that, and mm-hmm. at the same time, on the other side, making sure that that comes with forbearance? Well, I, I, that's a really good point. Uh, I like the dissection that you made, the discernment between um, what I kind of perceive as the difference between the tolerance culture and the and the cancel culture, which I think has the same roots culturally. Um, they both come from uh, relativism. And how quickly have we gone from tolerance being a chief uh, a chief thing until we're, we're we're canceling those who are not tolerant <laughs> right <laughs> which is just a a, a a moral uh paradox for lack of a better word so i think you bring up a good question that there is a difference between forbearing brothers in their sin and forbearing those who are struggling in sorrow who are weak in faith who are low in spirit and the need to remove someone from the church, from affirming their faith as Christians uh, because of their lack of repentance, because of their life not looking like their profession. You mentioned 1 Corinthians 5. The other would be Matthew 18. It's a primary passage for this where Jesus talks about treating them like Gentiles and tax collectors if they are warned once, then by a small group, and then by the whole church, then remove them. And what's interesting is after... This is, this is so helpful. Right after Jesus gives this scenario, we, we get that Peter understands exactly what Jesus is saying. That uh, if your brother sins against you, go to him. Forbearance doesn't mean uh, go sit home in your closet and just wait till everyone's better. If your brother sins against you, go to him and tell him his fault. And if he refuses to listen to you, then go to him with two or three more. And, but if he listens to you, you've gained a brother, move on, no big deal. But if he refuses, then you take it to the church. If he refuses to listen to the church, then you remove him. 
And then Peter asked the question, well, Lord, <laughs> this is a question I think we're all really asking in our minds, and I think it's about forbearance. How many times should I forgive him? How many times should I forgive him? <laughs> seven times? Seven? You know? I'm like, seven. Peter clearly hasn't been around the church long where he would have come up with a bigger number first, right? Seven? No, no, no. We, I get seven every day. But he asked the question seven times, and Jesus gives the response that we know well. No, I tell you 70 times seven, which comes up, if you're, if you're good at math, like I am, being from Baylor and Baylor, that's 490. And the answer is obviously not 490 start counting, right? Like you only get 490, and if you're at 485, you tell your friend to be really careful, right? <laughs> it's, quit, it's quit counting. Right. Quit counting how many times they wrestle with sin and repent from sin. Quit it. Quit. Just for, if they recognize their sin and they confess and repent, they turn, they keep coming back to Bible study, back to preaching, back to being in fellowship with the church. They keep telling you their sin. They keep asking for you to pray that they overcome it. Forbear with them through the 490 times it might take them to go through with this until they're glorified in the end. So the difference would be when for, for we get off the forbearance track onto the discipline track, if you will, when there is no repentance, right? We are called to forbear repenting Christians. We are called to remove those who refuse to repent clearly of sin and therefore should be removed for the sake of the purity of the name of Christ and for a warning of a danger to their own souls uh, that they do not seem to be in the faith. So that's how I would answer the question. I don't know if that's helpful. It brings up other questions. Yeah, I think that you hit it right on the head is that there there is a, a pivotal moment of repentance that is required from members of the body of Christ. It's required from us. That, mm-hmm. and, and that is a fruit that the Spirit produces in us mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a desire for repentance, a desire to come mm-hmm. clean and mm-hmm. confess our sins and turn from it. And so mm-hmm. the forbearance that's being spoken of there, I think, ha- even happens in discipline. And what we're marking out in church discipline is we're saying there has to be a clear line of distinction from the church body as to who whose profession of faith is credible and who's seems to to lack credibility and Mm. when someone is unrepentant there's no evidence that the spirit is working in there are they saved well we don't know for sure we can't we can't tell 100 percent for certain but Mm -hmm. but we can say that a fruit that the spirit produces is repentance of sin and even confession of sin and if there's none of that in this person, then it's difficult to tell whether or not, mm-hmm. or, or impossible to tell whether or not this person is actually regenerate. So, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean in removing them from church membership that they are not welcome inside the church walls anymore. Mm-hmm. In fact, we, we want them to hear the gospel being preached. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, our desire in forbearance is to help help 
make clear lines of distinction first. This is what the gospel is, and this is what it is not. And we do that, I think, when we sit down with people and we confront them in sin, when they've sinned against us mm-hmm. or when they've sinned against others grievously. Um, and when it's, you know, obviously affecting the body itself. Um, but then also mm-hmm. to, to help to, to help un- help them understand what we're actually after. We're not after what the world defines as tolerance. We're after mm-hmm. being conformed into the image of Christ. And the way that happens is with the indwelling Holy Spirit, with the body of Christ that mm-hmm. he's given to us to help push one another, refine one another, uh, encourage, admonish mm-hmm. one another. And through that process, he uses the church as, as, as a tool, one tool, to conform us into the image of Christ together. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's, that's for your good. That's for his glory. That's, 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 that's good, you know. I think, too, there's also a need to, to, to say, what do we do, and, and, and what role does the government actually play? Does the government have a responsibility to forbear? What what made you ask that question? <laughs> what, what is the what, what news article are you reading right now? <laughs> what do, what do you mean by that? I mean, I because in one sense, I want to say yes, we shouldn't give the most severe punishment uh, for a small crime per se. We we shouldn't punish someone uh, with the full extent of the law the first time uh, a, a crime is committed. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I, I I think you know I, I was just and and honestly the question just popped in my head as you were as you were talking about forbearance that uh, we are we are talking in largely religious terms, but mm-hmm. there are let's say so let's say there's a person who commits a crime against another individual. Mm-hmm. I, I I think you can read Matthew twenty eight. Let's say you are a victim of abuse. All right. You can read mm-hmm. Matthew 28. If someone sins against you, go and tell him his sin. If he doesn't listen, mm-hmm. take two or three more. If he doesn't listen, take it to the church and let him beat you as a Gentile and tax collector. And you deal with the sin of the abusing sin of someone else against you exclusively in the church. And that's where it's kind of locked down, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so it made me think, like, I, I do think there's a need to clarify how do we think about someone's sin against us and forbearance and all of those, those things that we want to strive towards and its relationship to the government. Does that, that make sense? Is that totally out of left field or kind of weird? I just, I feel, I know I see where you're going with that. I think it's a, it could be confusing to... To kind of begin to discuss the multiple applications because the, the government has a different charge than the church. Yeah. And isn't beholden to the, to the same uh, mandate, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer called it, that it, it's, it's not there for the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure that it has the same relationship to forbearance in the world with anyone because it doesn't have the same relationship to the gospel. It doesn't have the same relationship to the kingdom. So my answer would be, uh, since you put me on the spot, that the church has a unique understanding of forbearance to the world, as we've discussed, but it also has a unique application of forbearance in the world. Um, you know, we, you, you might commit a crime 
that means you need to go to jail, according to the law. Yeah. And the church might be willing to still forgive you and keep you as a member of the church because best we can tell, you are repentant and still a Christian. Yeah. And we will continue to forbear your sin. That does not mean And we'll visit you say, behind bars, essentially. Exactly. Right, right. Yep. But the government doesn't have the same mandate. The government should probably put you in jail if you did that thing. Right. Uh, which deserves it. Well, I, you know, I was thinking, I'm like, I'm sitting here going, man, imagine someone who is, let's say, being abused and hearing us say, um, forbear with one another. The goal is, mm-hmm. you know, is is uh, being conformed to the image of Christ, be patient with them. Okay, yeah. One day they yeah. will be out of that. And I, and I, I always, I think, I think about that even from the pulpit. When I, when I go up to the pulpit and I'm, and I'm preaching, uh, let's say, a sermon on forbearance, or uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're all you know in the process. We need to forgive one another. And really, every time I've preached a sermon on forgiveness, Jesus is, doesn't hold back. Man, wow! The mm-hmm. the Bible in teaching on forgiveness. I mean, he in several times in Matthew, it's come up. Um, if you do not forgive, your fa- your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Like he he just mm-hmm. says that. And, mm. and that's hard to take. And I always, in the back of my mind, there's always someone out there who is secretly dealing with this abusive situation where mm. they hear me saying, because everything they're applying to their own situation, and that's all they can ever think about. And mm. they're thinking, well, he's talking right to me, and he's talking to my situation. And my situation is abuse, and the only thing that I can think that he's saying to me is, "Well, you've just got to forgive him, you know, and you've just got to right. you just got to move on, and you just got to be patient with him, you just got to forbear." And right. the reality is, no, 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 no. There's another structure that God has actually put in the world, and that is the government, whose chief virtue is not forbearance. Mm-hmm. There's tolerancy. There's tolerance. There, there's forbearing. You know built into the justice system where someone you know commits a small crime they don't necessarily deserve the death penalty as you pointed out mm-hmm. and so there's some forbearance in that sense there's some forbearance in this is your first offense versus your third offense or your fourth offense mm-hmm. but there is also an extreme amount of justice that's supposed to that's supposed to be handed down and mm-hmm. and jail is for those who while we are forbearing them, we have not put them to death. But while we are being patient with them, they are behind bars because they cannot be trusted. And so I think that's—I mm-hmm. think it's just worth calling out, right? I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but no, I think that's helpful. That the call to forbearance—it is a call to the Christian in Colossians three and in Galatians six to be a kind of person that is like God. It is, it is the outpouring, the fruit, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to become more patient, uh, more forbearing, uh, that you are willing to bear others' burdens over a longer period of time with more grace and more mercy because that's what God is like. Yeah. For example, when, I, when Colette and I were first dating, one of the, one of the reasons <laughs> that she didn't want to uh, marry me at first is I was really struggling with anger. And she wasn't so sure that I that she could live with an angry person, um, and I don't think I had realized it at the time until she had said something, and uh, I I still managed to marry the woman somehow, 
And I think by God's grace, I've been able to become more forbearing and patient over the years. She has certainly grown in that as much or more than I. Um, but there's a, there's a process of forbearing with people like, like that, uh, a, a growth in individuals. But we're not saying to the woman who's being abused by her husband or even the employee who is being abused by their um, employer, uh, taking advantage of financially uh, or something like that, that, that you should simply stick your head in the sand and ignore it as if uh, that's all there is to it. We're, we're certainly not encouraging that. Um, but Paul, Christ himself, often does send us into difficult situations uh, to handle them wisely. So if someone were to say, well, I've got this situation, does it mean just forgive? No. You, you walk in, my, my answer is not just, well, forgive and keep keep moving on. No, there, there are situations where you might need to make some kind of change uh, for yourself, for others, um, no doubt. And we're talking. That's not even the the just the just forgive and just move on. That's not even the the Christian understanding of forbearance. It is right. specifically dealing with that sin. Yeah, that'd be bad counsel. Yeah, absolutely. But but so that that's never never the instruction. But I think we're talking mostly about the day to day relationship, right, between Christians in the church, husbands and their wives, fathers and their children. Uh, employees and employers, right? I've had plenty of people come over the years and explain to me the difficult if there was situation at work, and forbearance is instruction that I've often given. You know, do you do you think that th- there's a better boss down the road? There might be, of course there is, um, but maybe the Lord has put you here for your own sanctification. Maybe the Lord has put you here to be a, a witness. Among, you know, what are the other employees going to think when your boss is acting like a jerk? And, and they all go to gossip about it in the break room. You have an opportunity to be different, uh, to be forbearing, to be patient, to try to be understanding, uh, to try to be supportive and encouraging and to build up, not tear down, as Paul says in, Galatians, in Ephesians 4. So there, there, there are unique opportunities there outside the church, but we're talking mostly about forbearing one another in the church um, and, and walking with one another as the Lord is doing something in their lives. Um, and I think it's important that Paul talks to us, you know, generally in Ephesians and Colossians and Galatians, talking about the fruit of the Spirit, as this is kind of a way to live. This is, Paul's not answering every scenario, right? Right. Like when we get to pass, when we get to where Paul talks about Ephesians uh, chapter 5, he's talking about uh, wives submitting to husbands, husbands loving your wives, respecting your wives. We, we Immediately when we hear those things, we begin to ask, well, what about? What does that mean? Let, let's categorize this. Let's, let's, you know, let's define the scope. And I don't know if Paul's even trying to do that. And when Paul tells the church to put to death the things of the flesh and to put on graciousness, forgiveness, compassion, forbearing with one another— Paul's telling us to grow in being like these kinds of, grow in being these kinds of people. Grow in, and this should be your nature increasingly. That's what it, that's what it means to grow as a Christian. You become more forbearing, more patient, more kind, more compassionate as you grow to be like Christ. Does that answer the question of wisdom that you need for every scenario? No. But, 
you ought to be able to say increasingly, I'm doing, I'm answering those wise questions out of a, an increasingly initial response of forbearance, an increasingly an initial response of grace and patience, because I'm becoming more and more like God himself, who has infinitely been so patient and forbearing with me. Um, and so it's not answering all of the what ifs, but I think most of the time we'll find that our our questions. And I'm gonna be very careful because there are you know there there are a lot of questions about when I should do what and what. But most often, I think those questions uh, are self protective and can be self justifying or self righteous. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you want me to be forbearing when he's over here doing this and this and this. Well, well, yeah, that, that's, that's the definition of forbearance. Right. He's not doing what he's supposed to do. The, 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 the thing you are supposed to forbear and forgive is complaint against one another. Right. Uh, forbearance isn't just you running an amoral race by yourself. Forbearance is you forbearing the people. So the very thing you're complaining about, uh, wondering if you have to forbear, is the very thing that you are supposed to be forbearing. Mm-hmm. And I think so often we ask questions to kind of get out of what the Lord has actually called us to do, which is do hard things. Yeah. Uh, do loving things, do things that are very costly to us yeah. uh, for the sake of living out uh, godliness and, and Christ-likeness. Um, I, I, I think the thing to think about most is, and that so often helps me, it, it's so easy to get into the mindset that uh, I'm, I'm fine, everyone else is the problem. And even in my own idea of forbearance, it's kind of putting up with all these people around me who are so messed up. And the best answer to that is to do what Paul did in, in Colossians and talk about forbearing and forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. Yeah. And as soon as I begin to think about my list of my thoughts and my heart and what I let happen, what came out of my mouth, I begin to realize really quickly the Lord is being very forbearing, patient, forgiving, and gracious to me. Yeah. And it makes me want to listen to whatever anyone else has to say. My kids screaming, uh, my wife having a hard day, uh, my, my church members being at odds. makes me want to listen to them with, with more patience, thinking that that's what God's doing for me. And it just, it, it, looking at Christ does things to the heart. Just looking at him and what he's done for you, it, it shapes your heart. More than Bible study, uh, in, in a sense, you know, more, more than studying theology, uh, it just it melts hmm. hatred. It, it melts pride. Yeah, I think otherwise forbearance is pretty impossible if, for yeah. one, the Spirit isn't in you, and if the Spirit is in you, he's doing work on you. And if you're mm-hmm. not continually looking inwardly, uh, and mm-hmm. saying, here's what Christ has done for me. Here's what Christ has mm-hmm. done to me. Here's how God has exercised an incredible amount of forbearance with me, with my growth or lack thereof over the years, with my sin, with all the things that, yeah, like you say, are in my thought life, in my speech life, in all the the kinds of ways that I think and respond that are less than Christ-like, that Mm -hmm. God has exercised forbearance with me. Mm -hmm. Jesus, nearly every time, 
he, well, actually, every time I can think of anyway, that he commands forgiveness, he always mm-hmm. turns it back on the one doing the forgiving or the one that's mm-hmm. commanded to forgive. Mm-hmm. That in Matthew 6, you need forgiveness, remember, and if you don't forgive, God's not going to forgive you. Um, mm-hmm. In Matthew 18, uh, you forgive whenever they come back to you and ask for forgiveness because the Lord has forgiven you this incredible mm-hmm. debt. And he puts it in that mm-hmm. parable, remember, of the, yeah. the guy who is who doesn't forgive a $15,000 debt when he's been forgiven a $15 billion debt. And, mm-hmm. you know, he that, that's the context that, that Jesus puts it in. He always turns it back on the one who is called to forbear, to remember that God has exercised forbearance with you. It's got to be the foundation of it, because if it's if that's not there, then you have no uh, you have no like I guess you would say a grading system, a rubric, or or whatever uh, no no lens to look through for when and how you should forgive. And I think that's where the questions come from, right? Is well, what about what this guy's doing, or what about? you know, what they, what they did to me or what they said to me or, or, or all of those kinds of things, all of those exceptions come up precisely because there's not the introspection of going, this is what the Lord has done for you. This is where you have used speech inappropriately. This is where you have um, th- thought things that are abominable. This is where you have done things that are sinful against the Lord and you not turning inside and thinking of those, then when someone does that to you, creates all of these exceptions where you no longer have to forbear, you no longer have to forgive or be patient with or whatever for these people that are outside of you. You no longer have to do that because you're not thinking precisely as you say about Christ and the cross and what that actually means to you, that he's forgiven you. Mm -hmm. And so therefore be patient with other people. I think it's precisely true. Here's a question. I, I think as you were talking, I, the thought came forbearance is just kind of forgiving um, for a long time and over and over and over that forbearance has the bearing the burden, the forgiveness, the accepting you as you are for now, knowing that you're going to become something else and doing that for an amount of time. How long? How long do we do this? How, how long should we put in our minds? I'm going to have to this this is central and this is kind of a, a, an addition but this is central to what it means to be part of the church before i ask that i'll just i'll just say it for a minute that paul e- explains forgiveness and forbearance as central to what it means to be a christian in the church it's not kind of the thing that you do sometimes when things get bad but this is this should be the clothes that you put on every single day i remember going to marriage counseling before uh, we got married and my uh, the pastor that was counseling us talking to us about forgiveness and man I was I was so eager to forgive thinking you know there Clint and I have had plenty of arguments before um, uh, people on this but Colette can argue like the rest of them right and her and I are, are, we're great at it. We all know it's your Before fault, Nathan. Got... Don't try to get out of it. <laughs> Before we got married, I just couldn't imagine having to forgive Colette much. And I couldn't imagine uh, her having to forgive me much because we were so happy. And uh, we had challenges, for sure. But we were, we were getting married, right? This was good. 
I don't think I realized how much forgiveness was going to be a part of our every single day life. Me to her, her to me. That that was our way. That was life every day. And I think that's how Paul talks about forgiveness and forbearing in the church. That this is not like that thing you do every now and then when stuff goes bad. Every single day when you get on, just like you figure out what you're going to wear, you should be putting on forbearance and patience. This is normal. And I I think Christians get so disenfranchised with the church because they bump into each other's sin and we get tired. And we think this is supposed to be over. That We've convinced ourselves that the church isn't supposed to have problems. Other Christians are supposed to be better and we're supposed to be better. No, no, no. The better is increased forbearance Mm -hmm. with one another Mm -hmm. in sanctification. And I think once you realize that, you're free. It's so freeing. Mm-hmm. To be with people in fellowship, to be to gather, uh, to sit down and listen to each other's problems, uh, to deal with each other's sin, uh, because I realized that forbearance and forgiveness actually is the thing that we're that we're here to exude to each other. Yeah, it's um, almost like he is conforming us into his image, since yeah. he has had to forbear. This is what this is what exactly. he's doing in you is he's making you more like him in. A, Bearing with one a another. A group of Christians forbearing and forgiving each other over and over and over yeah. is as much a display of God's goodness in the gospel as the perfect church yep. that you can imagine. Yep. It's actually better because it's displaying God's kindness and goodness in the sense of his forbearance and forgiveness. Yeah. So um, how long do we have to do that? Was that what you were going to ask? That's what I was asking. How long? Yeah, and by now, hopefully and then you ju- so let me just make sure that I understand what you just did. You asked a question <laughs> and then you answered it yourself. Is that what is that is that that's basically what just happened? In a, in a sense, and I have I have maybe, listeners that can that can vouch for what that. just happened. Oh man, <laughs> I, <laughs> I wasn't in, I wasn't intent, intending to do that you're like here's yeah. the question hope, hope. and and that's a really good question and i have an answer for it here it is <laughs> yes it, it sounds exactly like uh my wife forbearing me in conversation with her many times uh because she, i will ask a question and she will look at me as if i've asked a question because i want to give the answer to that question <laughs> but i want it to sound like i was asking a question first in this uh, case you <laughs> didn't even want it to sound time. like that in this case, you just asked the question and then just answered it. <laughs> you were like, let's dispense uh, with all that. Let's just ask the question and then... Let's just say until the Lord takes us to be with Him yeah. and until we are made fully into the image of Christ, we are to practice and to put on patience and forbearance every single day. Amen. And if Amen. we do that as a church, that is a compelling community. Amen. That's a great book, by the way. Yeah. What book? (laughs) Compelling? Oh, gosh. (laughs) See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Fire and Bones podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released. 
Consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it. Be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links, including our contact information. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Fire and Bones Podcast.